0: Today on the Craft Room Podcast, let's talk about setting up a custom planner. This is episode 20. Welcome to the Craft Room Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Lewis, professional crafter, craft teacher and all-round craft enthusiast. This podcast will help you get great value from your craft supplies and perhaps help you discover new techniques, ideas and products to take your crafting to the next level. There is so much craft to talk about, so let's dive right in. Hello, welcome to the Craft Room Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if this is your first time in the Craft Room, a very special welcome to you. Now, bear with me today. You may hear some chirping in the background. I'm currently bird sitting, a couple of very gorgeous birds. So if you can hear them, I apologise, but it is Australia and we have many birds. Now, in the last episode, uh, we talked about preparing for a handmade Christmas. And I did mention my Christmas planner. I didn't go into tons of details because it would have been a very long episode, but a few people asked me to expand on how my Christmas planner is set up and how I use it. So I'm going to go through that today, but I also want to talk to you about how you could set up your own custom planner and especially how you could set up a craft planner. So stay with me and let's talk about some great ways that you can use a planner. A few years ago, I joined an online planner community on Facebook called Planner Addicts Australia. Before I joined this group, I only knew about calendars and yearly diary. I had absolutely no idea About all the different sizes and styles of planners, let alone how enthusiastic people are about them and the multitude of ways that they can be used. Planners come in all different shapes and sizes and styles there's A4, A5, personal, pocket, mini, just to name a few. One of my newest additions is actually a traveler's notebook. It's like a planner cover with elastic strings that run down the spine, which you use to tuck little notebooks into. That's something I'm going to be using when I take my trip to the USA in a couple of months. I can write about the people I meet and the places I go. I can document my travels in one of the cute little notebooks, and I'll take some adhesive with me so I can add ephemera like tickets and business cards, and I'll leave spaces for photos, which I'll resize when I get home in Photoshop. It'll be like a mini scrapbook of my trip, which I'm really excited about. I honestly had no idea what they were until I saw them in the planning group. And then one day I was over at Darkroom Door picking up an order and Rachel showed me her traveler's notebook that had just come in that she'd ordered. Rachel, you have converted me. So whatever size planner you decide on, be it fancy and expensive or cheap and cheerful, a date book, a notebook, let's talk about ways that you can use it. We'll start with my Christmas planner. The planner I've been using to keep myself organised around Christmas is a personal-sized planner. I like it because it's big enough to write in, but small enough that it fits easily into my handbag. The whole thing itself is only about 19 by 13 centimetres. It's not too bulky. It's only about three and a half centimetres thick. Mine is a gorgeous red leather planner. It has fabric lining it has 6 rings inside it has a notebook slot in the back it has a pocket and business card slots in the front and a pen holder honestly it is everything i need and when i spotted it for $7 in the clearance bin at office works It had to come home with me. The planner didn't have any calendar inserts inside when I bought it. That's something that you buy separately. But it did have a piece of cardstock inside, which informed me of its size that this was a personal sized organizer and what size refills I should use. The refills are around nine and a half centimeters by 17 centimeters. You can buy page inserts from stationery stores, of course, but I didn't want a dated diary. I wanted to make my own inserts. The first year I just cut paper to size and I used the template that came in the planner to mark where the holes needed to be punched. And I punched them in with my anywhere hole punch. I hand wrote all the titles and I scrolled over all the pages. It wasn't pretty, but it was functional. The next year I knew how I wanted to use the planner. So I created inserts with a lot of fancy boxes and titles in Photoshop. It was a complicated project to create those inserts, and I'm not going to walk through that process uh, because you really do need some pretty good Photoshop knowledge to do that. But what I will do is link to some amazing planner stores in the show notes where you can buy inserts for a variety of different sized planners. Some of these amazing stores will even make custom inserts for you. I've met some of these girls at the Sydney Planner Markets, and boy, do they do some really clever stuff. In my Christmas planner, uh, the first page is my title page. This also serves as my index, so I can find what I'm looking for pretty quickly. From there, we move directly onto my gift list pages. On those pages, I have lined boxes with names of people I regularly buy Christmas gifts for, as well as some blank boxes for new people who need to be added to the list. So generally speaking, when I'm making up my inserts, that's the job that I do in that week between Christmas and New Year. I do a lot of online, you know, computer-y jobs where I can sit in front of Netflix and the air conditioning in the heat of summer and not do much at all. But I do work on my computer. So I do leave the blank boxes because I don't know who's going to enter my life in the next 12 months who I'm going to want to add to my Christmas list. So that's why I have the blank boxes. In these boxes, this is where I jot down ideas when they come to me throughout the year's uh, for gifts. It's where I write down gifts I've bought or, or I've ordered online or that I have made or want to make. There's a column for price. There is a column for a checkbox when I've made the purchase and I will cross through that when I've received the order or brought it home. And there's also a column where I can check it off when it's been wrapped. Another way that I use the gift list page is to write down gifts that I buy quite early in the year, as well as a note telling future Dawn where I stash that gift. You know, those times when you put something in a safe place, but it's such a clever hiding spot that you can't find it later when you need it. Well, this helps a lot. And I have not misplaced a gift since I started making notes for future me in the planner. Next is my shopping list page. This is where I figure out what I need to buy, where I need to go to get it. It helps me plan my shopping strategically. So I'm not backtracking running all over town with no plan at all. I also have a page for my mum's shopping list. And I used to have a page for my grandmother up until last year. Uh, So if you are doing shopping for anyone other than yourself, make a page for them and maybe color code the receipts so you can keep track of them. Next is the page for Christmas cards. In the last episode, I talked about this page. It's where I write down the names and addresses of people I want to send Christmas cards to. Start with the names, then go find all those snail mail addresses. I'll link to that episode in the show notes in case you missed it. I may not be as organized as I want to be at this point, but I do have all those names and addresses in my planner now. So at least I've made some moves. I also know how many cards I need to make. Next, food. Actually, I have several pages dedicated to food in my Christmas planner. The first is my Christmas Eve menu plan. Uh, That's the big one. I have a lot of people coming into my home on Christmas Eve, and so that's the biggest menu that I'm going to do. It's followed by the Christmas Eve food prep page, which is kind of like a run list so I can plan out timing of every dish so everything's ready all at once. Sounds complicated, I know, but I enjoy the challenge of doing this. Next is the Christmas Day menu, which is significantly simpler because we have quite a quiet day on Christmas Day. And I do also have a Christmas Day food prep page, even if it says put out leftovers. That <laughs> I've got that page there because sometimes I go more complicated and sometimes I keep it simple. And lastly, in this category is the grocery shopping page. I do like to note which store I need to visit for each item. I also note which items can be purchased in advance. Hot tip, if you are looking for a packet of vanilla pudding to make brandy cream a couple of days before Christmas, you probably won't be able to get one. I had the same experience when guava juice with champagne was a really popular drink. These are the things that I pick up in my regular grocery shopping in November. So if it is non perishable and you know you're going to use it for Christmas, start picking it up early and adding it to your pre-Christmas box. I will come back and talk about the pre-Christmas box a little bit later. Next is the master Christmas to-do list, which includes places I need to go, things I need to have printed, wrapping gifts, making gift tags, sending cards, all of those major to-do things. And a similar yet slightly different page is my Christmas to New Year page. I talk about this probably a lot. This is where I note things that I want to achieve in that gloriously lazy last week of December. Naturally, I'm making a list and doing lots of things, so it's not exactly lazy, but I try to concentrate on things that are going to set me up for a good start to the new year. I've started adding a business page to this section of my planner as well, so that I can note things that I want to do by the end of the year or start in the new year for my business. Lastly, is the page titled Notes to Self. This is the page where I jot down notes to refer to the following year, usually with a cup of tea and maybe a gingerbread man, when Christmas is all done and cleaned up. It's where I make notes about what worked and what didn't work. For example, the first year I did a grazing table for Christmas Eve. Uh, After it was all done, I noted down the foods that were super popular as well as the things that people didn't eat. So this meant that the next time I did a grazing table, I could refer back to those notes and do it a lot more efficiently. Uh, I'll also make notes about which gifts were well received and try and jot down the gifts that I received so I can remember to thank people for them properly when I use them. When I realised that this Christmas planner thing was working well, I added in a Halloween section because we host a Halloween party each year. It started as a way to keep the kids safe and the neighbours unbothered and it's kind of become a tradition that our family and friends look forward to. So in the Halloween section, I note where the decorations are, how many bags of lollies I purchase, plus a note afterwards telling Future Dawn if it was not enough just right or far too many. Uh, I put down my menu and a loose schedule for the week leading up and a guest list so I know who came each year. This year, I added Easter into this planner. We had a big family gathering here at home, so I put the menu in there, noted down how many Easter eggs I bought for the egg hunt so that we could make sure they'd all been found at the end of the day. And I have been jamming menus for my birthday tea party in there for the past couple of years, so I think it's time to add an official section for that, which I will do after Christmas this year. Earlier, I mentioned my pre-Christmas box, Look, this box isn't exactly planner-related or craft-related, but it's something that I find really useful, so I thought I would mention it. Anything that you make or purchase that is for next Christmas, pop it into a dedicated box or a tub and label it pre Christmas. I do this with a big 50 litre tub. This is where I stash Christmas cards if I buy them on sale after Christmas or if I receive some in a swap or if I make them early in the year. I keep this tub up in loft storage that I have in my garage and I bring it down out of storage at the beginning of November. And this is where I also start to add those non-perishable foods as I buy them leading up to Christmas. This is where if you have an advent calendar that you use every year, like a perpetual one, something you've set up and you put your own treats in, store it in the pre-Christmas box because when you've got it, the box out and you're using it in November, it reminds you to pop all the treats in, set it up so you can start using it on the 1st of December. The danger of adding your perpetual advent calendar into your Christmas decorations If you don't get those decorations down until, say, the first weekend in December or things get crazy and you don't get it down till the second weekend in December, you're not using the advent calendar. And I'm guessing you probably put a lot of effort into making one or finding one. So put that in your pre-Christmas box and then you can make sure that you use it to its full capacity every year. Also, if you have picked up Christmas craft kits for the kids, put them in the box so that you can make sure that you do them next Christmas. Same goes for Christmas storybooks and supplies for any Christmas tasks that you want to do in November. Make a note for yourself in your phone or on your calendar or in your diary and make sure you get that pre-Christmas box or tub out in the first week of November and use it. Okay. By now you've probably figured out that I enjoy entertaining and planning an event is fun for me as well. Sometimes I ace it and sometimes it is all thrown together at the last minute. It is far less stressful when I take the time to plan these events in advance and I enjoy them so much more. Creating new pages for my planner is even fun for me. I know I'm weird. I love paperwork. What can I say? Something that nobody knows, though, is that when I bought my gorgeous red planner, I also picked up a second personal sized planner in black. I mean, it was $5. I could not leave it at the shops. I have been wondering for a couple of years, a few years now I've had these planners. I've been wondering what I'm going to do with this one. And I think I have figured it out it is going to become my craft planner. A question that I am asked quite often is, how do you set up a craft planner? And honestly, that's a really big question and there are a lot of options. There's also no right or wrong way to go about it. And the first step is going to be figuring out what you want it to do for you. For me, I would like to use it as a quick reference for colours, inspiration, but that is me. I do have a bunch of ideas for how you could set up a planner, any size or shape or style as a great craft resource. So let's have a look at those now. Number one, craft supply inventory. When you're shopping online, in store, at a craft event, it is not always convenient or possible to look at what you already have. You're either not at home or maybe you need to make a quick decision before a deal is gone so there's not time to go hunting to see if you already have that stamp set or that ink colour. And one of the most frustrating things we can do is buy something we already have. Returning it's a hassle. Sometimes you can't return it. So it's a waste of money and it's a waste of time. Imagine if you kept an inventory of all your stamp sets, ink pads, embroidery threads, cross stitch patterns, fabrics in your craft planner. No more buying duplicates. There are several ways I thought of that you could use your planner to keep a track of your supplies. If you just have a few stamp sets, you could stamp them out on a page. Instead of getting out the box with your stamps in them now, you can just flick through your planner and decide which one you need. However, if you have a lot of stamp sets like me, then that is a task that would not only take a really long time, but also make your planner very thick and heavy. In my case, I would create a page for each brand and simply note down the set names. It's faster and a much more economical use of space in the planner, but still simple enough to consult at a craft show. You know you're you're looking at this set and you know you love it, but is that because you wish you had bought it before or because you love it so much you already bought it? So this could be a great way for you to check that out really quickly when you're away from home. Another great reference that I will definitely be adding to my craft planner is a section for ink pads. I would have a page for each brand where I jot down the name and then stamp a little tiny motif in that color next to it. Now this is not only going to help avoid that duplicate ink pad situation, but at a glance you can see which colors you have a lot of and where your color gaps are. So maybe you enjoy warm colors and you don't have very many blues or maybe you've got seven different shades of blue and you have no yellow. It's also going to be helpful when you're choosing colours for a project because you can see exactly what the ink pad is going to look like when you stamp it or ink it onto paper. For those of you who sew, if you have a large variety of coloured threads, like I do, one of the joys of my life, you can not only inventory your thread colours, but you could keep track of how long those spools last. Snip a little piece of thread, tape it down on the page, jot down the brand name, the colour, how many metres are on the spool. And you could also note down the date you start to use it. Then when the thread runs out, note that date as well. And this is going to give you a great idea of which colors you use up quickly and which ones seem to last forever. The benefit of this is if you have an opportunity to stock up on your most used colors during a sale, you know which ones you use the most, which is a better investment than buying a whole bunch of colors that you hardly use. If you take your craft planner with you when you shop for fabric, you can quickly check to see if you have a thread properly matching that fabric at home before you buy yet another spool of thread. When I was dressmaking and doll making, that was one of the biggest problems. Do I have a colour at home that's going to go with this? I wish I had thought of having a thread reference that I took with me to the fabric store. This is also a great idea for those of you who embroider. I mean, I have a huge collection of DMC embroidery threads, and sure, I printed off the checklist and I tick the boxes of all the threads I own. But right now, I couldn't tell you where the checklist is. You bet I am going to be reprinting that list, re-ticking those boxes and putting that list into my craft planner. I think I'll do a little stock take and note which threads are close to being finished and jot them down on my wishlist shopping page at the same time. I'll come to that in a minute. Number two, colour combinations. A very popular trend this year for paper crafters has been ink blending. Christina Werner has some great videos showing some surprisingly spectacular distress ink colour combo blends. I'll link to some of those in the show notes for you. It makes a lot of sense to me to swatch them out so I can see what works together and what doesn't. It helps me figure out which colors I want to buy next or if I'm happy with my collection the way it is. Waffle Flowers also come out with some really clever stamp and die sets for swatching. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Look, here's why I think some ink combo pages would be a great addition to your craft planner if you're into ink blending. You know those moments when you sit down and craft and you have limited time, let's say two hours, and then you faff around choosing colours and stamps and layouts because you're not sure what you want to do. And before you know it, an hour is gone. You've done nothing. And I really feel that the time you spend adding some tried and true colour combos into your craft planner could turn out to be a great investment in time saving, On those days when you have limited time to craft, I mean, really just turn to the colour combo in your planner, pick one and get stuck into making, you know, take that time that you spend on YouTube or Pinterest or Google or blogs looking at great colour combos and turn it into a reference you can actually see in your hands. It also helps you keep your craft desk tech free because, you know, you get onto social media or you get onto YouTube and then all of a sudden, bam, another hour is gone. Same goes for Copic markers or whichever style of alcohol marker you like to use. Create some colour combo references. It could be natural colour blending families, combo suggestions from your Copic hex chart. Again, I'll link to that in the show notes. I swear I don't get a commission on these. I just think it's a great tool. Uh, If you see a great colour combo on a design team member's blog for a stamp set that you own, stamp it out, colour it, write down the colours as a reference you could keep it in your planner or you could keep it in with the stamp set. Side note for fans of Kindred stamps, I highly recommend checking out Tanya Cordy's blog as she shares some great Copic color lists for Kindred stamps images. I will link to her blog in the show notes as well. I remember doing this when I was on my first design team, very talented Copic colorist named Melanie. She used combos that had never even occurred to me, this was pre-hex chart and I didn't have many colors and I still actually use her blonde hair color combo today. My point here is you don't need to create all of your color combos from scratch, especially if you have limited crafting time. Of course, if that is your favorite part, who am I to deny you? The joy of color trial and error, have at it. But if you find yourself with limited time, then perhaps this would be a great resource for you to add. Number three, wish list slash shopping list. Have you seen a combo that you like, but you're missing a color or two? Add a wish list page to your planner. Make a note. Do you need a reinker for one of your ink pads? Add it to your shopping page. You can refer to this page next time you're shopping for craft supplies, or if someone asks you what you would like for your birthday or what you would like for Christmas, put things in there that you want and put things on there that you need. Number four, Swatching. If you are into watercolour, swatching is a must have section in your craft planner. It could be watercolour tubes, pans, pencils, markers, crayons, whatever your watercolour medium of choice is, swatching them out is really helpful. I started swatching out my Jazz Art watercolour pencils on a piece of watercolour paper. Oh, And I love it. I I can not only see what they look like as a pencil, but also what they look like with a little bit of water, quite intense color, and then washed right out with lots more water. So now instead of looking at the pencils and trying to figure out what color they are from the tip on the end of them, I just have to look at the chart and then I can locate the appropriate pencil. I'll pop a photo on the blog. If you're looking for any of the links or pictures and things that I'm talking about today, you can find it. Over on the blog, there's a full transcript of today. So if you rather read than listen, you can find it at dawnlewis.com.au backslash podcast 20. So check that out. Uh, You can also listen to the podcast episode right there on the interwebs. I know. Amazing. Okay, now back to this. Similarly, if you went into oil painting or acrylic painting, Swatch them out, note the colors down, have a page for each different brand. I think I have about three different brands of acrylic paint in my collection, so yeah, I will definitely be swatching those and adding them into my craft planner. It's going to double for me as an inventory as well as a swatch when it comes to acrylic paints because I do have some colors in multiples which are kept in a different part of the cupboard. I do have an inventory written down for my paints and my distress inks and my favorite Copic combos, but they're all in different places on random bits of paper. So I'm I'm actually really looking forward to corralling all of that information into one location. It's gonna be such a time saver. You have no idea how much time I spend looking for those pieces of paper. It will be nice to know whether I need to raid the reserves or add something to my shopping list at a glance in my planner next year. All right. Number five projects. If you're into sewing, then a great addition to your craft planner could be a project planning section. Let's say you have a quilting project that you want to work on. You could have a page in your planner for the quilt you want to make. This is where you can sketch out your pattern, do your calculations. That's assuming you do your patterns from scratch. That's what I do. Make your shopping list, create codes for your fabric so you know exactly how this quilt is going to look. Over time, you'll have a great reference of all the quilts you've made. This could come in really handy if you decide to recreate a quilt for someone who has admired the original. You can keep track of what fabrics cost, what kind of quilting you had done. Was it stippled, quilted edge to edge? Was it custom quilted? Do you quilt as you go? If you love statistics, you could even track how long it took to make. That's something I like to do. This honestly would have been a really smart thing for me to do when I was making a lot of magazine commissions. Yes, I have all of those patterns written down. They're stored, but I have some parts in a book, some parts in a folder. I wish I'd set up a proper A4 binder right at the beginning with checklists for every pattern. If I ever go back to designing patterns, this is something I will definitely be doing. If you are on a design team, a dedicated planner section would be a great resource to help you keep track of the products used for each project as well as deadlines. You can keep the finished projects in there. You could print a photo to put in there with them. Again, I kind of wish I'd done this when I was on design teams. It would be like a mini scrapbook album of all the fun design team projects I did. Now, if you make products to sell, this is a great way to keep track of your expenses and how much you sell each item for do you make gifts? What a great way to keep track of what you made, the colors you used, who you gave it to. For example, I used to make a lot of dolls. I not only made them for my business, but I love to make them for my little nieces, nephew, cousins, I'd start with a doll with one little dress or jumpsuit and then for birthdays and Christmas and for the next few years moving forward, because they were still little, playing with the dolls a lot, I'd give them extra clothes and accessories to go with the dolls and I could keep track of the clothing sets I gave them so I could make sure to give them something different next time. I swear some of those dolls had a better wardrobe than me. If you like to keep a record of the fabrics you have, sure, you could swatch out your fabrics in there. It would get really bulky really quickly. But I would say if I'm working on a particular project, I would consider it, for example, one day I will get around to making the quilt for my own bedroom from this gorgeous navy blue, lime green and white fabric I bought a few years ago. I've designed it myself and I'm not opposed to adding some small fabric swatches to that page. It'll help with my fabric coating so I don't make mistakes when I'm cutting and constructing. Maybe one day I'll publish it as a PDF pattern. So keeping careful records of this is probably a good idea. If you are into paint pouring and you come up with a great method, a great color combo, make some notes, use it for inspiration for another time. When I make video tutorials for my YouTube channel, I keep very specific notes of every product I use in a dedicated notebook. This helps me write up the blog post, add text over the top of the video, detail color codes and all that kind of thing, filling in the YouTube description box. That absolutely could become a section in my craft planner. Let's say you are a yarn person, maybe you knit or you weave, crochet, macrame, whatever you are into with yarn, create a section knitting craft planner for those yarns you buy. When I buy a bulk lot of yarn, I usually have a plan for it. Currently, I just jot it down on a post-it and store it in the bag with the yarn. But then if I want to choose a project, I have to dig through the whole storage cube, which is kind of noisy if I'm doing it at night, which is when I do a lot of my planning. It would be so much simpler to make a note in a yarn section. Maybe have a little snipped piece of the yarn taped to the page as a visual prompt and I can jot down my thoughts on what I want to make with it. If I bought it for a specific pattern, I can also note where that pattern is, either the paper copy or the digital copy. Uh, I could make notes of exactly where I have stashed this particular bag of yarn in my house. Yes, I have more than one yarn stash. Shh, don't tell anyone. This would work for embroidery also. You could also keep some of your smaller patterns in your planner. I keep a crochet go bag and having a small book in there with some motif patterns would actually be really helpful. I think I talked about this back in episode 18 about crochet. I'll link to that one in the show notes as well. This would be so handy for one of those times, you know, you're going to be sitting around waiting with nothing to do, Uh, maybe going on holidays, staying with friends, going on a cruise, a long train trip. Sometimes you don't want to work on a big project. You just want some options. I love to crochet tiny angel wings or flowers or heart motifs when I'm in that mood. I love the repetition and when I'm done, I can use them as embellishments for a larger project or donate them or gift them to my fabulous customers. So it's a great section that you could have in your craft planner. Number six, craft planner and tote. If you're into embroidery, cross stitch, long stitch, tapestry a zip-up A5 planner could double as a project tote. Right now, I'm sitting at my desk recording this and I'm looking at my yearly diary binder, like my date book. I picked it up at the local discount store. It was probably about $7. And I'm actually starting to think I should get a more basic A5 binder for my diary and make this thing my embroidery tote. I was embroidering at my daughter's formal last night I had everything I needed in a zip bag, but the hoop I was using didn't fit in there to zip up. So now I'm thinking this zip up A5 binder would very easily hold a pattern. I could punch holes in them. It would go in the ring binder section. I could store my embroidery fabric in an A5 plastic sleeve. that will keep it clean and flat. I would maybe add a binder pencil case for my embroidery thread so they stay clean and contained. It has pen holder, so my highlighter or or a pencil could go in there because I like to mark my pattern off as I go. There's some pockets on the inside that would be perfect for my little scissors and a book of embroidery or tapestry needles. The whole thing zips up and it even has a handle on the spine. It is the perfect combination of planner and tote. Now I kind of wish I'd bought a few of them, but I'm going to definitely go and see if I can still get them. A planner is a versatile piece of equipment. I have seen some fantastic uses for them over on the Planner Addicts Australia Facebook group. Most recently, someone talked about having a dedicated NDIS planner, which is a very good way to stay on top of therapies and funding, appointments and all that stuff. There's an Australian planner store that actually does special NDIS inserts. I will link to that shop for anyone who might find that useful as well in the show notes and over on the blog. I've seen people use them for planning a wedding, which is, let's face it, the best excuse to have a dedicated planner. I mean how lovely to have a record of all the wonderful ideas and moments that you had in the process of planning your wedding. It's like a, a time capsule or or a planning scrapbook. I used to have a large section in my diary dedicated to the routines I kept around the house. It was a really good way to stay on top of home maintenance regularly. Similarly, if you were embarking on a full house decluttering mission, a planner would be very helpful. You can make a plan, work your way through, keep track of how much stuff you get rid of. That's always good. It would be a great place to keep some before and after photos. There is nothing more motivating when decluttering your house than looking back at the before photos and seeing how far you've come. I'm about a year into my decluttering. Oh, Actually, I am a year into my decluttering and it's going really well. I'm nearly done with this round anyway. How about a wellness or health planner? This is something that could go into an A4-sized binder or you could have a pocket version with notes that's easy to take to a medical or specialist appointment. If you have a family member or care for someone who's unwell, this can be a really useful tool to have. You could keep note of their doctor's appointments, any diagnosis, medications, reactions, allergies, all of those things. And if you have all of those things in one binder, it's so much easier to take that with you than try to remember everything. If you go to the hospital or you have to call an ambulance, a single medical binder or planets can be really quick to grab. It could be vitally important for treatment. If you have a family member who's going into care or you're getting someone into care for them, all that information's right there. If you're changing doctors, bam, you're just taking the whole medical history with you. You don't have to care for someone with an extreme illness or special needs to make one of these, though. It doesn't have to be big. A little personal size one might be just right. Maybe a traveler's notebook will work. Single binder, individual books inside for each family member. You could jot down when they've had their last tetanus shot, a fever, the flu, an ear infection, chickenpox, all those mundane kind of things. If you jot them down, you might see some patterns emerge, like croup always kicks in at this particular time of year. Then you can be prepared at that time of year next year. Another popular use for a planner, mood or pain tracker for those with mental health struggles or a chronic illness a planner like this can help you see patterns work with your doctor or your specialist to manage your condition more effectively i know a few people who do this and get good results with it using a planner as a tool to document behavior or patterns or mood or pain makes a great resource when you're trying to get the right diagnosis and assistance Now, I know it's probably a little redundant to say so because you probably already figured it out, but I I kind of like planning. (laughs) I am so much happier when I'm organized, but I do appreciate that not everybody feels the need to plan or track everything or be super organized. Look, you have to do what works for you. Some people are naturally organized and others need to work to become so. I mostly love having my Christmas planner, although I think we can all agree I should probably start referring to it as my entertainment planner because it just eases stress so I can enjoy spending time with the people that I love rather than being a big stress head. I'm excited about my new craft planner because it's going to save me heaps of time looking for things when I could be crafting instead. Ideally, having a planner is there to make your life easier. So I'm going to leave you with this pro tip. Yes, It is very fun to play with stickers and do weekly spreads and make bullet point lists and have perfect printed pages with no scribbles. In fact, planners have kind of become the new scrapbooking. It can be really addictive. You can find yourself buying tons of stickers and washi tape and weekly kits. And before you know it, you're spending all your time organizing your planner supplies and no time actually making plans that will make your life easier. So if you are setting up this planner to stay on top of a busy schedule or health issue, your passion project and not get distracted, don't distract yourself by getting carried away with perfectionism as you're setting up that planner. When you do set up your planner, it doesn't have to be perfect first time. For my entertainment planner, seriously, the first time I just cut up pieces of paper, I hand wrote everything. It was a great first draft. I did find it really helpful and I found some things that could be better. And so I did decide to make my own custom inserts the following year because I knew it was going to be a really valuable resource that I would use for years and years to come. And I was right. I have been using it a very long time. Once you're organized and if you realize you found a new hobby in decorating and tweaking your planner and you find it fun and rewarding, then absolutely go for it. It's so easy, though, to be distracted by all the pretty things. And a common phrase that I see is people chasing planner peace. That refers to the search for the perfect planner, which can be a really expensive pursuit. Sometimes you just have to pick one use it for the year. And if it doesn't work, try something new next year. Keep it simple. Don't make extra work for yourself. So whether you're grabbing a notebook or you're going out and buying yourself a nice little planner to make your life simple, now is the time that you might pick something up on clearance because they're going to be moved. Obviously, they need to move out anything from 2019 to make room for 2020 stuff at this time of year. If you're listening to this live, we're we're in November now. Another thing I see is people with shelves full of planners. I get it, they're pretty and the stationery enthusiast in me wants them all, of course, but I do remind myself that I have a finite number of planners I can actually use and after spending an enormous amount of time decluttering my home, the last thing I want to do is fill it up with things I won't use all over again. Right now, I have a year diary and my entertainment planner. Next year, I'll set up my craft planner and a health or medical planner for each family member. Right now, that's pretty much all I need. Maybe one day I'll add a planner for the important house stuff like service providers, insurance policy numbers, and all that grown-up stuff. Maybe after I get my filing cabinet sorted out. But for now, all I need is those four planners. What I do want you to remember is A planner is there to serve you. You do not exist to serve the planner. For example, do you want to spend $200 on stickers for your wedding planner or would you rather put that towards a fun surprise for your guests at your wedding or a little upgrade on your honeymoon? It is very easy to get caught up in the fun and the accessories, but try not to lose sight of the end goal and more than anything, make your planner work for you. Thanks so much for joining me in the craft room today. You can find links and other information about today's episode in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving a review on iTunes or Stitcher. I'd really appreciate that. I do hope you have a very crafty day and I will see you next time. Bye for now.